Welcome to Beringa's Energy Innovators podcast, bringing you a series of thought-provoking and current conversations with industry leaders, where we discuss the transition, transformation, and innovation in energy markets. On today's podcast on renewable and ancillary service auctions, we have myself, Will Kinsey, as your host, and I'm joined for this discussion by Kevin O'Donovan from Statcraft as well as Beringa's Luke Humphrey and Hugo de Savant. The conversation covers some of the key challenges around auction design in delivering the right type of new energy generation capacity whilst also reducing costs for the end consumer. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining. Um, in a world of uh, ambitious climate change targets and rapid change in the energy industry, it's, it's more important than ever that we have the appropriate mechanisms in place to deliver the scale of change that's required. Um, and today we're gonna to talk about one uh, really important part of that, um, which is auction mechanisms. Um, so really looking forward to the, to the discussion and we've got a great group of guests here to speak about this. And I'd like to ask each of my guests now to introduce themselves. So um, Kevin, we'll go to you first, please. Hi, uh, Kevin O'Donovan. I am the uh, head of wind, uh, solar and grid services activities for Stackraft across Northern Europe. So that's the Irish, UK and Nordic markets. I'm also the country manager for Stackraft in Ireland. Thanks very much. And Luke. Hi, thanks, Will. Uh, I'm Luke Humphrey. I'm a senior manager at Beringa within our energy markets and analytics group. Um, I recently led our renewable auction work in Ireland for the Res1 auctions, where I, I worked with Kevin and his team and a number of other clients. Well, thanks, Luke. And Hugo. Thanks, Will. Uh, so Hugo de Savin, I'm a manager uh, in the energy market analytics team at Baringa. Um, I've been, I have like six years of experience in um, power markets uh, and three years at Baringa. Uh, and I'm focusing currently on uh, flexibility analysis in a few geographies like uh, Ireland, France, uh, Belgium, including auction modeling. Perfect. So we have a really good spectrum of experience here today to cover this topic. Um, Kevin, can we hear a bit more about Statcraft? Obviously, a, an international leader in the in the clean energy space. Um, can you give us a bit more about um, the company ambitions, role in the energy transition? That'd be great. I'm with Statcraft now for just near three years, and uh, it's a pretty amazing company to be part of. They're already the largest generator of renewable energy in in Europe, um, and uh, have been producing renewable energy for over a century. So long before there was a climate change crisis, Stackcraft were there. Um, and basically, I, I guess we see ourselves as a company that exists to lead the shift to a renewable energy world that can power every industry, not just uh, uh, electricity. So um, I, I suppose ultimately we see renewable energy as being not part of the solution in, in relation to climate change, but actually being the solution. Okay, excellent, that's brilliant. Um, so let's get into auctions. Um, for those of you know our listeners who don't know about them, um, I'd like to get Luke and, and Hugo to give us a bit of a view on you know what are auctions, why do we need them, what are the different types that we've got. Um, so Luke, I'll, I'll come to you first. Auctions exist in many areas, not just electricity, um, but they are increasingly a part of of the electricity market and how we produce new capacity that takes on this decarbonisation pathway. So there's, there's three main areas where we have auctions in electricity. There's auctions for renewable power. We'll talk about those today. There's auctions for capacity, 
which gives you enough firm power when the renewables are not blowing. And there are increasingly auctions for system services, which give you the flexibility to manage the, uh, the intermittent renewables that are increasingly part of our system. Okay, excellent. So that is, we've got auctions for renewable power, auctions for the, for the, sort of the base capacity that we need, um, and then auctions for the, the system services that allow us to, to fill in the gaps when, when the wind isn't uh, blowing and the sun's not shining. Um, Hugo, I know you're, you're very focused on that system services area. Um, can you just kick us off with a bit around a simple version? What is what are system services um, and what do auctions in that space look like? Sure. So what we call ancillary services is the whole set of services that are necessary to support the stability of the power grid. Um, so they're split in, in different categories. Um, reserve services, frequency control that are more linked to um, the uh, energy that you can release at the right moment in order to, to, to ensure um, the right uh, balance uh, of uh, consumption and generation. Uh, there's inertia provision that becomes an issue when there's not enough uh, rotating um, um, power on, on, on the grid. Um, there's a voltage control that we call also uh, reactive power uh, and some, uh, for example, some other services like Blackstaff. Um, and I, I would add to, to what Luke said on the, the necessity of auctions uh, that they are quite necessary not only to, 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 to provide the services that Luke talked about, but also to provide them uh, at the cheapest cost possible uh, by putting uh, actors in competition uh, with each other. Excellent. Um, and uh, Luke, with regards to um, two major focus areas for Starcraft, I mean, you know, GB, GB and Ireland, um, can we call out some of the, you know, the, the sort of major differences between the, between the two in the auction space? Yeah, so the, within the renewable auctions, um, Ireland and Europe are actually moving closer to where GB has already been. So EU rules now are for to, to get state aid to allow you to support um, renewables through subsidy, it needs to be competitive through auctions. It needs to be through a CFD mechanism, a contract for difference, and should not pay out when prices are negative. So renewables shouldn't be incentivized to, to bid negatively. Previously, that wasn't the case in Ireland, but the most recent auction and then the future auctions take that design that's where GB is and has been for the last five years. And that's where the rest of Europe is moving to as well because of these, these EU rules. There are some differences within there. Each country has a bit of flexibility around the, what's the, the reference price that these CFDs are paid on, which technologies are in there, are they in single pots or whatever, but the basics are actually becoming quite harmonized on renewables. Okay. And you've just touched on one of the, the key mechanisms there, the, the, the contracts for difference. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about, about how those work. Put simply, the contract for difference guarantees a, a power price that renewables will be paid eventually when they generate. The exact mechanism puts some of the revenue coming from the market and some coming from the supplier uh, and uh, coming from consumers eventually. But what it means for the generator is a guaranteed price of power. I think what, what's interesting in this, uh, in this mechanism compared to um, the, the, the old feed-in tariff, for example, is that the top-up uh, for generators is based on a reference price, which is the same for everyone, uh, but it gives you responsibility as a generator because if you actually achieve a better price, price than this reference price, it, it's basically uh, something you can keep. So there's also an incentive 
uh, to basically perform as, as as you can in the yeah, as you like perform as much as you can in the in, in the market. Renewable auctions currently they are giving security to generators who who clear in those auctions, and they're giving them quite long term security. So that reference price that they can achieve, that strike price from the CFD, so that the guaranteed price of power they're going to get, that's usually in a contract for 15 years. And so they've got 15 years of security as long as they, they can keep that asset operational. And that's providing the long-term signal, which is encouraging the this low carbon generation to be built and to be built towards the targets of 2030 and beyond. Okay. So we're really getting that that long-term price security that encourages the, the the right type of generation that we need to to reach the kind of the targets that we've got there. Okay, brilliant. Um, Kevin, with regards to Statcraft and and, and auctions, um, you know how important are auctions to Statcraft and what you're trying to deliver? Yeah, they're 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 critical. Uh, I mean, my, my view is that the auctions have a central role in delivering net zero, um, and that's because. Having a, an annual auction round or, or something similar in terms of uh, auction uh, frame time frame provides investor confidence uh, and enables long-term planning and development of, of, of the supply chain market as well. So, for example, in Ireland, the government has announced a res auction process and they've committed to running a series of auctions over a, a five-year time frame. And what that allows a developer like Stackcraft to do is to plan ahead with their portfolio and to be able to have projects at an advanced enough stage that we can uh, compete in that auction and bid these projects in. And then we can go ahead and build those projects with confidence because we have these long-term uh, price certainty for the, for the revenue stream and that uh, first 10, 15 years of operating life of the projects. So um, without that, then you take away that investor confidence and you would make it a far more challenging world, world for companies like Stackcraft to be able to develop large amounts of, of renewables in Ireland and the UK. Yeah, so it's again this theme, it's, it's all about that long-term certainty and the, the mechanism the government put in place is, is giving you that. Um, just thinking about work that we've sort of done together in this space, I mean, how do you sort of approach the auctions process and, and where would where have Beringa come in in the past? Yeah, I, did. I mean, I, I pointed to the, the Res 1 auction last year in Ireland. It was the first of its kind. The Irish market up to that point had, had relied on generally over the previous decade or two on uh, fixed feed in tariffs. So it was a really interesting dynamic to face into a forced auction, um, which was a number of years late really being put in place. So there was this huge volume of projects at various stages in their, their project cycles uh, looking to participate in, in the auction. And Stackcraft had a large portfolio of projects eligible to participate in the auction. But what was the real challenge was actually to understand, well, where is the market and what are other projects out there uh, going to uh, be able to bid in at? So we actually engaged with uh, Bringa um, who obviously have a, a lot of experience on market structures and had been very much, uh, we saw as a company who were very involved in the consultation process around the Res 1 uh, terms and conditions being finalized by the Irish uh, Department of uh, Climate Change. And we worked together with them in creating a, an overview of the market and a, a, a high level merit order of where we saw the technologies because the auction was open to both uh, onshore wind and solar. Um, and then also categorizing the projects and to understand where our portfolio stood relative to the rest of the market. Okay, excellent. Yeah, Luke, any uh, 
Anything on that? Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to say, um, I think I'm right in saying, Kevin, that Statcraft did very well in that auction, that you were actually the, the largest single winner in terms of cleared projects. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's something we're really proud of. So we, we secured a, a total of about 313 megawatts of capacity in the auction, which is the largest uh, uh, amount of capacity uh, secured by any individual company. Um, and we're also really proud that... Um, you know, we, 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 we secured two projects that secured capacity on, on for onshore wind, but also two projects to, uh, for solar. And given that solar is still relatively new, there's no large scale solar developed in the Republic of Ireland to date. You know, that, that was really uh, uh, something we're very proud of. And, um, you know, I, I suppose it, it showed the effort that you put in in preparing for an auction can be rewarded by securing these contracts. And all four projects are now actually um, either already in construction or starting off construction over, over the course of the summer. So all that heavy lifting in terms of determining what the projects uh, could support in terms of a bid price, and then combining that with all the work we did with Beringa and determining where we need to place our bid prices to be successful and secure contracts through that auction have paid off. And it's something we're, we're really, uh, really very proud of and uh, grateful for the support that Beringa would have given along the way as well, of course. Very good. So let's just get into a bit around, you know, what's happened recently in, in, in auctions. Um, what have the outcomes been of, of recent rounds and what are the, what are the trends that we're seeing? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, open to you guys. If we take the, the Irish auction that Kevin was talking about, it continues the trend of downward pressure on clearing prices so that the competitive element of auctions combined with technological advancement is working and we see we see a, a decrease in prices over time. Um, at some point, these the technologies are going to get to a point where they're going to be at price parity um, with, with other forms of generation. And in some ways, you could say they don't need to be supported. However, the auction through the CFD mechanism gives them that long-term certainty. So even if they are cheaper than, than the rest in terms of power prices, having that 15-year bankable uh, guaranteed revenue stream makes these projects get off the ground and so should, should remain in our view. So um, up till now, the projects that um, have been participating mainly are onshore wind and solar, which are becoming established tech technologies now. And in the Irish auction, there was a, a protected pot for solar with, with it being slightly less mature, particularly in Ireland. But, but some solar then competed in the all technology pot with onshore wind. Looking forward, which technologies are protected and which technologies are assumed to be mature and, and therefore compete with one another is an interesting is an interesting element to these auctions. I think the next auction in Ireland will have offshore as a dedicated um, pot. In, in GB, um, offshore is protected. Onshore wind and solar haven't been allowed in the, the most recent rounds because of UK government um, rules around supporting those, but that is being relaxed and they will compete on an equal footing with, with one another. So how the it's interesting to watch how technologies go from being immature and protected to then being perceived to be mature, competing with one another, and therefore governments are not picking winners in these technologies. Once they get into a certain level of maturity, they, they compete and it's just the lowest form of low carbon um, energy that wins. 
it's really interesting so it's really you know there's like a perception of maturity there that can sort of materially uh, impact you know who can get involved what what tax can get involved awesome so also just like to look at this from a the sort of the, the ancillary services perspective so hugo kevin um come in on this one you know what, what's been happening in, in that space with regards to auction outturns um so yeah ancillary services are, are an important part of the of the picture because uh, we've talked we've talked about the results of renewable auction and the, the effect of that would effectively be uh, a larger penetration of renewables uh, in the system and therefore um, unfortunately um, less inertia and more uh, instability in the system that needs to be compensated by the provision of, of these kinds of services um, in ireland um, the design has been actually uh, quite um, um, original in the in, in the past years since uh, the, the creation of the services because it, it is actually not a competitive um, design at the moment it is actually an, an uncapped um, uncapped uh, and and competitive um, regime where um, the um, players that the participants that can that have the the, the relevant characteristics in order to uh, provide these services uh, receive um, a fixed tariff for the provision of this of, of these services uh, but what is what is interesting and what puts it in the context of, of this auction uh, is actually uh, the reform uh, the forecasted reform of this um, of this tariff scheme um, that is uh, being uh, discussed um, at the moment um, and um, there is um, a, a will to basically uh, switch to uh, at least in the short term to some long um, long-term contracts that would basically contract some form of flexibility uh, for a few years into uh, providing some of these services uh, and in the longer term and particularly when Ireland will be connecting uh, to European Union by the end of the 2020s uh, to go to some kind of, uh, of design uh, that would be more short-term uh, and more aligned to uh, the EU guidelines in terms of ancillary services like we see them in uh, in the Western Europe, for example. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so really interesting there. We've got two, you know, seemingly very different um, mechanisms here that operate in, in different ways. And interesting to hear with the ancillary services side of things, that that, that uncapped, uncompetitive um, regime, obviously a desire to go to the longer term contracts can completely get why based on what we've talked about so far. Um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on on the on those two, you know, those two mechanisms where what part of that is important for Statcraft? Um, you know, what needs to change? What's your view on that? Yeah, so it, in in an Irish context, Stackraft were actually the company that built the two first battery projects of industrial scale that are supplying um, uh, grid services uh, under the Irish DS3 contract structure. And as Hugo was saying, that was on the basis of a, a, a tariff structure. Um, now the, reg the Irish regulator um, ha has published a consultation, as Hugo was saying, towards a design in the future where it will be a more longer term contract type structure. And, and, and again, uh, expected to go more in an auction type uh, approach. So look, the fundamentals here for someone uh, like myself who owns operating renewable assets in Ireland and is seeing increasing levels of curtailment and constraint on those is that you know we have to balance the system and and um, have a, a sustainable level of of uh, generation that I know I can get paid for that production so we need to replace 
the way we provide these system services as we uh, shut down coal plants and uh, um, move from fossil fuels to a, a higher proportion of renewable energy uh, electricity generation in Ireland. So, um, for example, inertia is a key area that we have quite a bit of focus on in Ireland, um, where you know we will develop projects that can provide that service to the system without having it to be produced by a fossil fuel powered facility, so a zero carbon solution. And for us to be able to finance the construction of these quite high capex, uh, high initial investment type projects, the certainty that's provided with a, a contract for providing those ancillary services is what will trigger us to be able to support the business case and invest into it. And yeah, just a bit of context on that, uh, like the there is currently uh, a tariff uh, type of design that exists for ancillary services in Ireland, uh, and this is meant to change uh, at the beginning of 2024. But there was actually uh, a successful trials of awarding uh, long-term contracts for flexibility uh, providers, uh, particularly batteries, in 2019, uh, the cap auction. Uh, and this was a success in, in a lot of... Uh, of um, ways of looking at it because uh, the same services that are currently um, contracted uh, through tariffs uh, were contracted um, for, for, for these new batteries for long-term contracts uh, and they were awarded at a fraction of what they are uh, currently um, uh, provided that uh, contracted at uh, so that's a hope for uh, both for, for future design both in terms of uh, long-term uh, investment certainty uh, but also uh, for providing the services at a lower cost for the, for the consumer. While we're talking about ancillary services, I guess the reason we're focusing on Ireland here, it's not just that we've got Kevin here from Stackcraft, and it's his home country, but but also Ireland is a bit of a test bed for what's going to happen across the rest of Europe. So two factors in that. One is that Ireland is really pushing ahead with its renewables penetration ahead of most other European countries. And therefore, the issues that come from the intermittency of that renewable generation are that bit more acute. And secondly, Ireland is a not very well connected island right on the edge of Europe. And so it has to balance itself. Whereas some countries like say Denmark, which have a high penetration, they're well connected with, with the, the countries around them, which have heavy old fashioned synchronous thermal generators, which are providing those services now. But in 20 years, when we're going for net zero, what are we going to do then? Ireland is a bit of a test case here, and its problems are that bit more acute. I think that's a really uh, good point from Luke, and and it's something that's very exciting, I guess, for Stackcraft from a, a wider European context. Um, we we are seeing that because Ireland, which already has 40 percent of its electricity coming from intermittent onshore wind, and is targeting 70 percent of uh, its electricity generation to come from um, wind and solar by 2030, that all of those challenges uh, that Ireland faces over those next few years are simply going to be what happens in other markets, maybe 10 years later, 15 years later, maybe earlier, if uh, some of the ambitions that are being put out there by individual con company countries uh, occur. So for companies like Sackraft, what we believe is that the projects that we do 
both in terms of the ancillary services projects, which provide those services from zero carbon solutions, but also as we develop the wind and solar projects and develop them on a basis of a high penetration into the uh, grid system in the country, that, that there's actually going to be quite a bit of expertise required for companies like us to manage that because there will be uncertainty as you put more and more uh, intermittent power on, on the grid as to how that grid is managed and things like battery storage um, is going to become more and more key and I do see uh, in the not too distant future in, in Ireland that we will be seeing uh, projects that are I guess what you call hybrid and a mixture of, of batteries and, and solar and wind technology and it's something um, we're, we're very excited about and um, uh, we'll be using companies like uh, Beringa and, and, and Luke and Hugo to work with us to do this analysis and actually model what the, um, uh, the power system will look like 10 years out into the future. Thinking about auctions, uh, we've said that there's for renewables there's this long-term signal which is going to mean that we, we, we rapidly increase the penetration of renewables. For ancillary services, currently there's a tariff mechanism which gives longish term signals but that is that that's going away so the intention is that through eu harmonization that's going to turn to short-term auctions and by short term we mean daily so this is not a long-term signal and so kevin how do you see as an asset developer how do you see these short-term auctions playing in terms of any long-term signal that you need it's going to be challenging, to be honest. In Ireland, we're looking at a context where maybe Res 2 could be delayed by a few months, maybe longer. We, we, we've got some uncertainty around that. So that level of uncertainty makes it very difficult for us to um, you know, be able to deliver projects with certainty in terms of uh, investing in that uh, more expensive uh, development stage where you're, you're preparing for, for auctions. Um, so there's that uncertainty. And then there's, as you say, uh, the, the policy that wants to lead us towards even less certainty with shorter term auctions in, into the future. Um, I think what's going to be really, really important there is clarity in how the system will be run and how the system will look. Um, and I think that's where, again, the work around the modeling uh, of how that system will operate will be really key for um, developers like Statcraft. Uh, probably as well, I think I see that we will have to develop more control over how we produce our power, and, and I see that being true. Battery storage with uh, with power generation, uh, whether it be wind or, or or solar, and trying to maybe be able to um, work better in 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 the market. Uh, Statcraft obviously has quite a large market trading division as well, and we manage a, a gigawatts of of portfolios of. Uh, renewable energy across Europe and our market trading capability is something that we believe will give us a, a real significant advantage in terms of being able to be more flexible with how we trade the power that we generate on our uh, in our projects on the market. So I do see that um, that being really important. Um, obviously it's different from market to market so for Ireland um, connectivity is going to be really important and Projects like the Greenlink interconnector and the Celtic interconnector are, are going to be very important in one regard to allow us balance the system better. Um, 
also though make it probably even more uncertain and complicated in terms of trying to predict the market pricing into the future. So I see it as a challenging uh, future ahead for uh, renewable developers. Um, but I guess I see it as being something that Stackgraph's quite positive about because we have a lot of skills in those areas of trying to manage that uncertainty. Uh, and, and I think that just to put it in, in the context of uh, a European context, uh, this, this kind of challenging to basically build some business model for flexibility uh, based on this uh, trading value uh, and uh, short-term uh, ancillary service provision is a challenge everywhere. Like uh, just to give some examples, uh, countries like uh, France and Italy, um, they've been uh, issuing some contracts, auction, they've auctioned some, some contracts, uh, capacity contracts, uh, fast reserve contract, uh, in order to, to ensure so, some, some long-term uh, certainty for, for, for these battery developers. But it's always just a share of the, of, of, of the revenues and, and the other ones should be basically based on, on a combination of what can be combined, like what can be stacked uh, between uh, wholesale revenue, trading revenue in the balancing market, ancillary services. It's, 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 it's a current challenge and it's something that uh, um, we've working, we're working on with developers at the moment to, uh, to basically raise some, so, some capital and, uh, and build some, some functioning business models uh, in, order, in order to develop this uh, much needed flexibility. Because the policy is so clearly wanting to go towards providing these ancillary services from um, zero carbon emitting solutions, then whatever, there will be a structure put in place that enables this to, to, to happen, I guess. But yes, um, shorter term contracts, uh, but still, you know, a, a number of years out uh, in, in duration would be what I would see as the best way to deliver these solutions. And, and, and I think there's a little bit of a trade-off as well here in terms of um, uh, there, there, there's a perception that it, we got to deliver these services really cheaply and it's all about competitiveness and, and, and creating market tension. But if you don't design the, 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 let's say the, the scheme, whether it be a short-term contract or, or whatever arrangement is, is um, put in place, if you don't design that in such a way that the um, zero carbon solutions can be built, well, what you're actually doing is making it doubly worse because you're still paying for it, um, but you're paying for it through fossil fuel generation. So your emissions are high as well. So, you know, we're, we're going to be participating uh, actively in the consultation processes around this design because what we need to do is to say, well, you know, we we're one of those developers who will be leading the way in terms of delivering these projects. And what we need is um, certain things to allow us make these investment decisions. Um, and um, that that does, as I keep going back to this word of certainty. So while these projects don't need maybe these long-term 10, 15 year type uh, contract periods like you have for your, your wind or solar, you, you still do need some certainty. And as I say, uh, with, uh, with my developer hat on and always having to be a glass half full uh, person when I approach our, our work, because it takes a long time to develop projects and you get many knocks along the way, I believe the fundamentals are there. We need this technology. Uh, we need it now. Um, and uh, it's going to have to have a system design for it that it can be delivered. So I'm, I'm, I'm acknowledging the challenges, 
but I'm still positive that uh, I believe a structure will be designed that enables us to deliver on those projects. So I think just to, to jump in there, I mean, we've got a sort of fascinating environment here in Ireland, you know, these very strong renewable energy targets and, uh, and you know, a variety of mechanisms in place to try and help us get there. Um, but, you know, like you said, Kevin, we keep coming back to that point of, of, of certainty and, uh, and, you know, that's, that's sort of the, the crucial thing for you uh, and, and developers such as yourself. And I think we've already started touching on, you know, the real key things that you're going to need to enable that into the future. I'd really like just to ask you and then, and then Luke and Hugo, you know, what can we give our listeners to take away as the, as, you know, the key things that, that need to happen, I guess, you know, broadly with auctions, you know, to enable that transition that we all want to, to net zero. Yeah, really keen to get sort of closing thoughts on that. I'll come to you first, Kevin. Um, I, I think we can learn a lot from um, other markets. And, and I think the UK uh, auctions run over the last few years, obviously they were, they were offshore wind focused, but look at what has happened. We've got incredible reductions in, in the bid pricing and really competitive delivery of, of uh, renewable energy. Um, and, and that's why I see auctions as being critical here, that they actually will create a competitive environment. And that then gives the, uh, the certainty that the supply chain can commit to. Um, and that helps bring down the, the cost of energy. So uh, I think people, uh, who, who want to understand why auctions are important? It, 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 it's that they need this need to see that these auctions provide that certainty and actually will result in cheaper and cheaper solutions as we go along because it encourages that competitive environment. Having that certainty of regular auctions, having that certainty around the terms and conditions and those allows renewable developers to be able to develop those projects and make them really, really efficient. So that framework creates the competitiveness uh, and brings down that 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 uh, cost of energy, which is ultimately what we want to achieve. Luke, what are your sort of closing thoughts here? Yeah, so um, I think it is accepted that auctions are going to be a big part of the, the electricity sector for the next decade at least. Um, I think one thing that we should remember is that ultimately these are backed by consumers. These projects are paid for by consumers. And in the design of the auction, we can have a transfer of risk between developers and consumers, but ultimately it's consumers that are always going to pay. So we should be careful to de-risk developers so they can bid at the lowest price possible without any risk premium in there to further decrease the, the cost of power that consumers are paying for. Awesome, thank you. And, uh, and Hugo? So I, I agree with everything that's been said, and I, I would just add on on ancillary services that, uh, and, and and generally in terms of, uh, of of auctions, there is a lot of different uh, auction design uh, possible, um, and uh, uh, there is um, a balance to find uh, between uh, the, the security of the system and the cost of providing the services uh, and some um, certainty to give to 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 investor. In order for uh, uh, these projects to actually be, be be successful, so there is really the, a, a good balance to to be found in order to uh, to, to get this uh, uh, secure power system that we uh, all need. The opposite of the auction uh, um, not being there, not having the structure there, uh, is that it creates more uncertainty. And what that will do will mean that in time, these projects will need higher payments to be able to deliver their projects because if you shorten that period and you have uncertainty then um, the investment return and the 
cost of that project will, will increase significantly. So I would say auctions are the consumer's best friend in this regard because it gives that structure that gives the route to the cheapest cost of energy. Um, and that, that's a really important point is that the consumer, and it's a very important message for overall climate change actions and initiatives, consumer doesn't have to pay more to be greener, to, to do uh, uh, climate change act, actions and initiatives. Um, actually, if we design this right, and we use these amazing technologies that are coming at us all the time, then we can actually come up with a better economic model and a better economic solution. Okay, excellent. Some really uh, interesting thoughts there, and just to, just to play a few of those back. I mean, I think obviously the key theme throughout this podcast from the from the developer perspective, Kevin, you know, is that certainty that we need. But it was a really interesting point around the perception of some, maybe more in the, you know in the kind of the policy making space, that increased uncertainty can help drive competition. But actually, your from your perspective, uh, that can just completely backfire, right? So that's uh, that's a really interesting takeaway. Um, thing as well that, that comment about the fact that consumers are going to pay for this ultimately right so we need to work to to sort of de-risk the process for for developers to sort of reduce that kind of end cost risk um that the, that the consumers bear um and then finally you know trying to find that balance between sort of system security um and system costs so um excellent well thanks guys that was a really interesting uh, discussion some great stuff to take away um okay thank you so much for your for your time guys um really interesting discussion and um thanks very much thank you for listening to today's podcast please hit the subscribe button to keep up to date with our latest podcast releases and hear more from Beringa and our energy innovators if you have a question or a comment about the podcast or you would like to learn more about Beringa please email us at energypodcast at or visit our website linked in the podcast bio.